0: What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Erica Amatori at Alpaca VC. Alpaca is a generalist fund that invests in pre-seed and seed deals within the US and Canada. In her role, Erica leads up marketing platform, community, and operations for the fund. Eric has been one of the biggest supporters of us and most active community members within Confluence, and we wanted to reward her engagement by highlighting her work this week. In this talk, we discuss translating marketing experiences into investment skills, why venture firms are investing heavily into platform functions, being a resource for the founders you back, supporting underserved communities, and building incentive structures to reward community engagement.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
2: welcome to the confluence vc podcast on this beautiful friday morning we've got erica one of our our dearest folks who's been killing it at alpaca and we're just grateful to have her on today so with that i'll I'll let her kick it off erica in two minutes or less you mind walking us through your background and how you got to where you are today
1: yes of course and hello everyone excited to be here so i started out basically living in the startup space I was part of the founding team of a software company called Zerge. And we went through Dreamit Accelerator in New York, did the whole shebang. And after that got acquired, moved on to heading up growth at early stage startups such as Rise in DC, which is a FinTech company, Burrow, which is a direct-to-consumer furniture company, and really focused on growing them to the next level, building out team, experiencing the operator side. And following that, I dipped my toe in the VC space by becoming a venture partner at NextGen Venture Partners and really enjoyed the other side of the table as I could basically do what I was doing but across many different companies instead of just in-house at one. So I started an event series that connected partners to founders and met a lot of amazing VC firms through that. It was called Perpetua Project. And that's ultimately how I broke into the industry and led me to where I'm at today at Alpaca VC, where I head up the marketing and platform initiatives.
2: Beautiful. With that, would you mind giving us a quick elevator pitch of Alpaca and uh, what you focus on with the firm?
1: yes so alpaca vc leads seed investments in what we say companies reshaping the real world and what that means because it can sound quite vague is that we invest in the people products and processes that power commerce in the physical and digital world think consumer marketplaces prop tech those are the three main sectors that we invest in and our whole team were former founders before and operators. So by experiencing that entrepreneurial journey ourselves, it's really enabled us to source the best deals. Some in our portfolio is Compass, Latch, and Perfect Foods and more, and really help scale these early stage startups to something much larger and impressive. And that's a little bit about Alpaca. What I focus on the firm is specifically building out the resources and platform that our founders need as well as building our firm's brand and the thought leadership within the VC ecosystem.
2: That's huge. That's so huge. I think a lot of firms just don't hit that on the head. And from what we've heard about you, you're one of the best in the game. So thank you for that. With that, you, you spoke on it earlier, but you have a considerable amount of experience as an operator and co-founder. It's really impressive startups. And your, your focus has been a ton on marketing how do you feel like that's translated into VC and how do how do the experiences compare? And then last thing, do you, do you believe that your experiences on the startup and marketing side could translate into investing too?
1: Yeah, I 100% think it translates into investing. Being an operator, you really understand an industry and get experience in the little things. Lowering CAC, customer acquisition costs, trying to increase LTV, lifetime value of a customer and what you should look for in a founder and a team. And that's so important. And that's where people make the best investments. It's in sectors that they know best. My personal experience translates as it's one thing to market and grow a company, but it's another to do that for a fund. And the main difference is, and I can take Burrow as a great example since I work there, you're focused on increasing revenue, building an omni-channel brand, launching new products, and improving the overall unit economics of that company. And at a fund, you're focused on creating a standout brand for your VC firm, being different from others as everyone has money now, and providing your portfolio with unique resources that will catapult them to the next level. And so they are very different, but also the same. And for one, your goal is more revenue-based, such as Borough. And for the other, your goal is returns. How can I return the fund and the money that I've deployed? But overall, they they really all connect to brand and marketing and the unique differentiator and proposition that you bring, which can be seen as similar.
2: Beautiful. Thank you. So... We've been looking at the VC landscape a ton and how it evolves. And I think doing these podcasts has helped that a lot, staying on top of Twitter, looking at our Slack channels and seeing what people were talking about. And we've noticed that roles of branding, community and platform building are becoming increasingly important for the firms of the future. Can you give us your opinion of why this shift is happening?
1: Yeah. I knew of clay and have, you know, created a really engaged community which is impressive. I think it's one thing to create a community, to pe- but to have an engaged one is one thing. But yeah, there's so much capital out there, so you really need to be different in order to win more deals, attract the right founders and ultimately build a brand that is true to you. And we actually worked with a branding agency to help create our brand and our brand language that is what you today. Everyone in VC is trying to build a brand and build relationships. That's just table stakes at this point. What you really need to do is find a unique platform that plays to your strengths as a team. And for Alpaca, that was the fact that we were former founders and that in itself isn't that unique. However, we created this brand around being there for the journey and experiencing ourselves, being intentional where we target our investments at the intersection of opportunity and our expertise. And I think that's what really has made us unique. Having this edge of manufacturing deal flow through thesis-driven investing. And we're still working on what our edge is, but it's important to find yours as a investor.
2: I could not agree any more than I do. Hmm. I just saw Alexi O'Hanian, he put out a tweet saying like in 2018, his LPs were talking about how him being online so much and how him building brand and focusing on all the things that you're speaking on right now would be a distraction to him investing and how in 2021, they're all begging him to help them with their own branding, even as lps and talking about how it's the most defensible strategy and just can't stop bragging about it yeah so like even in my experience with like certain places like i think that the world is changing and you're just hitting it right on the the, the nail right on the head and it's
1: different when you're an influencer like i'd say Andreessen and Ben Harowitz, Andreessen like they're both influencers at that point, right? They have a whole media team, but it's something where they've already been popular for such a long time. Same with and same with Elon Musk. He influences the freaking markets. So there, I think there's a difference between building community and your brand and being an influencer, but I think that they merge a lot.
2: Agreed. Yeah, I think the lines have become more and more blurred as you see all these superstar investors start. Yeah. One thing that I want to hit on is, is just how exactly do we quantify what investing in platform and marketing does for a fund? Whether that be like LP dollars, deal flow, et cetera.
1: Yep, it's, it's quantified by LP dollars for sure. If you compare a growth equities platform and a seed stage platform, it will most likely be different due to just the resources. And by spelling out your approach on your website and other materials you'll see an increase in deal flow naturally from founders who fit your investment thesis so lp dollars deal flow uh, it increases deals one if you have a great platform founders really look for strategic investors who have resources to help their business it's it's purely like an accelerator you're not obviously living in their offices but you're getting all these resources and advice that can really increase your game and then another one that you know is a little weird but I think is important is just referrals from founders referrals from GPS or maybe it's an LP they're referring if people think you have a great fund they will want to show other people that fund so overall platform, and this is why it's so important, is the connective tissue for all of this. It's how I think of it is I put it in five buckets, marketing, community, operations, events, and talent. And. A platform team that covers those bases will increase everything I just mentioned. LP dollars, deal flow, deals one, and ultimately brand awareness at the end of the day.
2: I think that those are key. With those included, with, what would you share the bare minimum components for competitive funds of the future? I think it's true that everyone now has some superstar executive GP, maybe two or three. Everyone has started without an operating team. Everyone has one to three deals that they can talk about, at least firms like worth noting at this point. And we don't have to talk about like ownership status in those companies or when they got in. Like these things have all become the norm. What would you say are the bare minimum for the funds of tomorrow to compete in the best deals?
1: Yeah, to compete in the best deals, you definitely have to have a great diligence process and a process in bringing these companies in and a CRM to keep track of them. I think the CRM is probably... The biggest bare minimum otherwise you're just going to be very lost in who you've talked to what's pro- like what stage in the process they're in founders all the time will pitch you once and then will come back a year or two later to pitch you again uh, so it's just important to have you know a crm in place because your memory is not going to be that crm i also think a bare minimum is creating an expert network or getting an advisor panel And these are essentially experts in their field that advise your portfolio companies and can really get in the weeds as well as high-level strategy with the founders. That's super important. It's actually been one of the best resources that Alpaca has made. When we launched our 20-person expert network, we had 22 meetings within the first month between our founders and experts, which is a great analytic to track over time. And... Yeah, just set up a one-stop shop where they can access all of these resources. It doesn't have to be fancy. You can do it off of Notion. You can do it off of a more complex software, but it's important to have the templates they can use, for example, like a board deck and meeting agenda, startup discounts your company can offer, et cetera, just in one place. So they're not looking through a huge Google doc. And then lastly, I will say that the other table stakes effort you must do is track their progress and set quarterly meetings to discuss their OKRs, objective key results, and progress. Because this really influences if they're going to raise a Series A, what milestones do they hit need to hit to raise a Series A, or whatever fundraise is next.
2: Makes sense, makes sense. So with that, one, thank you, because I think you gave me more than I did. Thought you wouldn't. I hadn't even thought, of it. but I would love to switch topics a bit just to, to talk about you for just a, a little bit. So, you've done a ton to help the community, whether it be like things you've done on Twitter, like personal connections you've made with investors within our community and help them out, or things like the piece you put out about you transitioning from startups in a venture and adventure, what that's, what are the upsides and downsides. Can you talk about some of the most helpful resources that you see for both investors and founders across the size of funds or types of startups? Because you've seen it all.
1: Yeah. First off, thank you. That's nice to hear that people are liking my resources. And I can say the same to you guys. Confluence VC is is a pretty great community that I still use pretty avidly today. And it differs a lot from the seed stage to growth equity or different fund sizes. For seed, it's OKR, tracking and fundraising and talent. Those are the three, I'd say, that are the most helpful resources that you can provide founder. Milestones, how to get to the next raise and filling out their team. For growth equity, it's very different actually and it's more robust. It's your network and how you're scaling that network in a way that can help your portfolio founders who are maybe SPACing at that point or or IPOing, right? It's the partnerships you can give them, new business and executive talent, not just any talent, but like some major executive talent. So for all of these, And it's what I just mentioned. You do need something that ties it all together um, and keeps track of your team's network as this is where they pull in the talent and advisors and potential partners, etc. But to shed some light on the resources I've built, if you go to Alpaca's blog, you'll find our deal diligence process. And that's just how we diligence startups. And it's really helped the founders that are pitching to us today learn how to pitch to us and what we essentially rank them on another great resource is how to raise a smart series a and that has templates that's also on our blog and it was something that was internal but we made more transparent and we also made a master agency list. So this basically lists out agencies to use in every sector department of a business, such as PR and product and digital marketing, finance, engineering. And I think the first day we launched it, we had a couple hundred people just on it. It's amazing how hard it is to find the right partner and agency to grow your business. So it always helps to have a list with all of them in one place. I think the best resources and most helpful are the ones that it just aggregate a ton of info and put it somewhere.
2: That's uh, one you all are killing it with you, with your resource database. There's like maybe five or six firms that I really admire who've done this. Actually, maybe it's growing more and more, but like folks who've really gone in depth to do it. So congrats. And two, like your last piece of aggregation, that's literally like how we got started at is just aggregating like resources from funds like yours and, and putting them in one really clean place, but okay, we're still going to focus on you here. In addition to supporting the broader ecosystem, you've also done a lot to support underserved communities and highlight, highlight those communities. And that's something that we're really big on here at Like We try to have on as many POC women, et cetera, on our platform and give them a voice. Can you talk about your path within changing and supporting movements that you believe in?
1: Yes, so I can talk about Alhaqa for a bit just because it's pretty recent, but mid last year, we launched a pretty big diversity initiative and it's one thing to hire diverse or talk about how diverse your portfolio is, but it's it's another thing to wire money and so we wired uh two point five million and it was independent g p capital it didn't even come from our fund, it came from our g p s pockets into black and Latino and Latina investing partners all over North America. And the six, I'll give them a shout out, Harlem Capital, Lightship Capital, Rare Breed VC, Home Team VC, Maple VC, and Slauson & Co. And they have been an amazing group to work with. And they've really exposed us to different deals to different funds and LPs. They've helped us build a more inclusive community as well as just, it exposed ourselves and we felt like we were paving a path for change. And, And I think the reason it got picked up in Business Insider and other bigger press outlets is because a lot of people talk about it, but they don't necessarily put their wallet where their mouth is, especially these larger funds that have those resources and definitely have the ability to do it. And in terms of equality and gender, obviously being a woman, (laughs) very for it. And that's something that we look for when we are investing is how many underrepresented founders can we fund for our fund one, it was 28%, which is eh, but for our fund two, it was 46%. And so you can see that that's something that we have been prioritizing year after year. And so you really got to urge other VC funds and people who have money to do the same because it's important for people to lead by example and not just talk the talk, but walk the walk.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. A lot of the folks that you all fund are my friends and I, I know what that meant to them and what that means to the broader POC community. So please keep doing those types of things. And um, also showing people that you actually have to step instead of talk. So one thing that we're missing here, I'm gonna give us a second and just let this sit, is Clay's beautiful voice. And I would love for him to come in and hit us with a quick fire or any questions that he might have. Clay, what's up, man?
0: Yeah, I had one Quick question, just going off script before diving into the quick fire questions, but Erica, you obviously do a ton of work within community. That's obviously top of mind for Tyler and myself and probably a lot of other people listening. What would you say are maybe your two or three best software tools that you use either for community engagement or just operating most effectively as a platform person?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think this is going to be like a cop out. I, I do like Salesforce. and It's not to create community, but it's to keep track of community. And you can really do a lot with them. I think there's a lot of other good ones like affinity out there, but that's how I keep track of community and how many people we're talking to and can really pull a lot of statistics on it. I think clubhouse (laughs) not to give the new player credit but i think clubhouse is going to become a huge community the amount of followers that people are getting on that application is unlike instagram or facebook and i think the engagement is really high and i find myself going on to it and would really like to form a club or a community through it and i should i think everyone should always look for new outlets to Take advantage of building community, especially if they're new, because that's where you can make the biggest impact, where the noise isn't. And in, I know these are all social answers, but I think Twitter is great too. For me, like, you can tweet at anyone, like, and they'll just respond. It's amazing. And I think that's something that's pretty unique. In Oh, I'm actually going to call out one more tool, which is Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks is an amazing community tool, and we actually had the CEO, Gina, on our panel the other day and that's a, a really great tool for networks and uh, community.
0: Totally agree with all that. I feel like we've done a lot of looking ourselves at what the best software tools for different functions of the stack. I feel like for, for CRMs within venture, you don't hear Salesforce a lot. I feel like most people rely on Airtable, HubSpot. I guess a couple of people use Notion. But it's cool to see you guys are different from the pack there.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of flexibility. I think Airtable's is great. And I've seen people use Airtable before. I just don't think it's as robust of as a platform, but I definitely think that it's good to organize and aggregate community resources.
0: Totally makes sense. All right, cool. Thanks for going off script there. I'll dive into the quick questions now. So if you've watched any of these, um, I give the same pitch every time at the end. It's just uh, five questions we do at the end of these meant to be answered in two sentences or less. I think we... 90% of the time, they go over two sentences, but that's the goal. So first one we have is, what is a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice?
1: I'd say from a VC standpoint, you need a warm intro to talk to me. I think that's BS. And don't hire, be lean. I think that's awful advice as well.
0: Totally agree with both of those. It's It seems a warm intro... Not necessarily dying, but it's fading out and a lot more VCs are open to just meeting anybody. So hopefully that trend continues. Next one we have, in the last year, what new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your life?
1: This is a great question. And I set up one meeting. I try to do it every two weeks with another head of platform or person that's in the platform space. And I've really loved it because we get to share our knowledge as well as learn new things from each other.
0: It's a really good idea. Honestly, you should copy that myself. I think I'm going to right after this call. I'm gonna start setting up meetings with people. Next one, aside from having to say no all the time, what's the worst part about venture?
1: It's fun to fundraise and we're in middle of it right now, but it's also a lot of work and probably the most stressful part of the job.
0: You think it's fun to fundraise?
1: (laughs) I think it's a little fun. It's interesting. It's like heated, there's drama, but I also think that it's just a lot of work and I know it's the VCs, everybody hates it. Nobody likes it, but that's the worst part of it. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: That was the question. We, yeah, no, 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 totally. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone just, I mean, saying no sucks, obviously, that's why we want to preface it with aside from that. But yeah, I think fundraising is no fun. I've not been super involved with that process, but everybody that is says that it's no fun. Yeah, totally. So last question here, do this at the very end. Who is a mentor, could be more than one, that you would want to give credit to?
1: I think Mark Chu. He's always been a really amazing mentor to me through my operator side of doing marketing and through the VC side. So for those who don't know him, he used to be the VP of marketing at Away, graduated to becoming the VP of international, which is super impressive, and is now an advisor for Away and started his own VC fund called Radhurst Capital and is investing in startups that he loves. I just found his path super interesting and he's really been helpful along the way and is actually who introduced me to a lot of the partners that I know today.
0: Love it. Love it. Cool, I think that is all of the core and quick fire questions we have. We're trying to do a better job of letting guests ask us a couple questions, so it's not just only us peppering you with questions. So with that said, do you have anything that you're dying to ask us?
1: Ooh, I like that. I haven't had a podcast end this before. A question for you guys is how? do you keep your community so engaged? I think that Confluence VC, there's probably 20, if not more, slacks that go out per day amongst the thousands of VCs that are on that platform. And to keep that large of a group interested and engaged is hard. So the first question is, how do you do it? And the second question is, do you think there's too much noise and how are you gonna separate it?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, hello. <laughs> I guess I can try to go first and then I'll let Tyler give his thoughts. So. We've tried to continually refine our onboarding process. Before starting this, I really didn't take a whole lot of stock into onboarding, but now I spend a lot of time focusing on it. Just go and people first get into the community. They're really aware of what channels to join, what should be stated in each channel, just to keep everything somewhat clean and not messy. And then I think it just does take a little bit of manual work on our part, just continue to ask questions ourselves or rerouting people. If they ask a question that we know we're connected to, maybe somebody that might know the answer, we'll try to ping them and help facilitate intros that way. We try to do a good job of forming subgroups within the community because we've already created somewhat of a niche community where it's only venture growth equity investors along with angel, angel groups, anybody that's an investor. But within there, there's obviously tons of different ways to slice up members. So we try to do that by sector stage, geography, role, just to make it a little bit easier for people to identify a tribe, if you will, within Confluence so they have more stuff to talk about. Like similar to how you said you were trying to connect with more platform people, we're trying to make it easier to do that. That just took a little bit of work as well that was somewhat manual. But I think all these things, communities, as they grow and as the messaging cleans up, Uh, about how people are supposed to interact and engage with it. I think if you do it right, it starts to somewhat manage itself. And that's the end goal is to just create something that you don't have to continually be posting to keep it active. But I don't know if we're necessarily at that point yet, but hopefully we're trending toward it. Tal, you have any other thoughts there? I'm sure I missed something. I,
2: I think that if you inherently build with good intent, and you build from the beginning with incentive alignment, like already within the infrastructure, then it's, it's actually not as hard as you think it is. Like that could be downplaying it, of course. But like, my thought is because we put people in the channels that we knew they were interested in, like Clay was saying with the onboarding process, it was really easy for them. You ever think about like they said iPhone, you, you designed it to be something incredibly complex to be very simple is if you can if you can go somewhere where there's a trusted group of the best investors in the world in the exact area that you're interested in and talk to them and we make that easy then they are naturally going to talk there because what's your alternative your alternative is like some like if you're a fintech investor the only alternative is for you to go to a fintech conference or for you to go to one of these fintech angel groups which is really hard to get access to but for us we have those same angels and the same people at those conferences and then a new analyst who just entered into the space and wants to learn everything about FinTech and equally go into that channel and say hello. So I think that's a big part. I think us having, in which this is something that like me and Clay go back and forth on, having a high bar for everyone who enters and then creating a culture of, hey, if you put something out that's on you and like the whole community sees it, I think it creates like a natural check and balance where the court of society or the venture society will determine if you say something, whether or not it's valuable or not, or should be responded to, because there are messages that no one says anything back to. So I think just one, having the right bar, two, having the infrastructure and uh, automation there for people to be to where they want to be. And then three, just always building for the people, like we're venture capitalists so we know what we wanted and then i would say like each of us have met at least four or five hundred people in the space like maybe more probably more and we ask them what they want and then we build that and i think the truth is for you to maintain a community and evolve and everyone's trying to create a community you need to be a venturepreneur <laughs> it's like creating a whole bunch of products but so that's why we like built common at bc that's why we started collecting more data that's why we're launching our syndicates That's why we're doing a lot of things. That's why like we have more POCs and women on our podcast because it's what the people want. And as long as we keep bringing people what they want, it won't be that tough. And then the last piece is you talked about curation and like making sure that there's no noise. So like Clay will be like, bro, we gotta delete all these things. We even one time turned off our general chat. (laughs) so that People had to put stuff in the right categories, but I'm of the mindset of if you have good people, they'll put good stuff and that sometimes uh, volume and relevance, which may be controversial. I'm feeling like a Kanye right now, but volume and relevance might be more important than always having something pristine. It's okay to break things. It's okay to have mistakes. It's okay for sometimes there to be like an awkward silence, but as long as you're pure with your intent and everyone learns and gets better over time, I think that we should just let there be just a little bit of static, maybe not noise, but it's all good.
1: Yeah, yeah I think those a- are both great answers. I, I really like Play what you said around the goal is for the community to manage itself i think that was a really good line and tyler i think it's hilarious that you guys turned off the general channel to see who like if anyone would move to the other channels that's a quite a move and i like it it's bold
0: we we ended up reversing it now we've opened it up <laughs> back up uh, i think another kind of hack getting back to just continuing the engagement in it is rewarding those that are most engaged for example like you've posted a number of times in different channels seem to be pretty engaged in it and have provided a lot of value to us so we wanted to reward you for that we wanted to bring you on we want to feature you in the newsletter we've done this in a a couple of other ways with people that have posted interesting pieces and promoted some of their work so that's something interesting that we should include in the newsletter as well give them a shout out I think rewarding that it's not a huge incentive like we're we're trying to offer what we can here and just promote you all and some of your work but we think it is at least something to offer and hopefully continues to stray people down the, the right path or the one that we're wanting them to do which is just be really engaged and continue to post relevant stuff.
1: I think incentivization is huge and you guys have created a really impressive community and I Very excited to see where else it goes. I think there's a lot of different paths you can take it. And that's the exciting part.
2: We can definitely use your help on uh, leveling up our marketing and platform. So let us know (laughs) if you want to sit down at some point.
1: This podcast is a great start.
2: True that, with that, I know we're over on time. When we have dope guests, sometimes that happens. We want to thank you and thank you again. (laughs) And then tell you that you're an amazing human being. And we're excited to put this out. We know everyone's going to love it. And uh, yeah, we hope you have an amazing day.
1: Hope you guys do as well. Have a great weekend. And if anyone wants to connect with me, my handles on all social media is just my name, Erica Amatori. My email, erica at alpaca.vc. Feel free to reach out at any time. Love meeting new people, especially in this time. This was really fun. Honestly, this is the most fun and also just best podcast that I've been part of. You guys were super, (laughs) super organized. Tyler, you have a very good podcast voice and you guys are doing a great job with building this up and it's been inspiring to watch it grow.
0: Huge thanks again to Erica for coming on this week, and we hope that each of you were able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to link up with Erica, we've included her social information within the description below, and you can also find her contact info in the Confluence VC directory. For next steps, if you're an investor and have not already signed up to join, we encourage you to check out our website at www.confluence.vc to submit your info to become a member. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to reach out directly either to Tyler at tyler at gpv.com or myself at clay at Hope to hear from you all soon.